Unprecedented unknown, aren't we, Sherry? We certainly are. This is a strange time dealing with this coronavirus and the, I don't want to say panic because that's a negative, that gives it a negative connotation like people are reacting in ways they shouldn't um, because I don't know how people should be reacting. I don't think any of us do and we're just kind of trying to feel it out. But here we are. We're recording an episode of the Intoxicated Podcast. I'm Matt Salis with my wife, Sherry Salis, and we want to talk about how we're feeling and what's going on around us. When, when you listen to this, a lot of what we say won't be, you know, we're not going to cover news necessarily because that's stuff you will have gotten elsewhere, but what is conversation worthy I think is how how we are going through this now three years into recovery from alcoholism versus how we would be going through it if I was still drinking and for that aspect of the discussion I think a, a the closest thing we can relate this to is 9-11 now I know that this what this isn't a terrorist attack by another nation it isn't sudden and you know brutally violently tragic it isn't a hate-filled act it's none of that i get that we and we don't know at this point what really what the potential uh casualty toll could be we just know that an awful lot of really smart people are taking this really really seriously but it is unprecedented territory, just like 9-11 was. And what I want to talk about is how different our reaction is to this than our reaction was to 9-11. So I think the, the first thing to, to mention is just to briefly talk about on 9-11, you know, everyone was glued to the TV screens and and just feeling so much sadness and anger and I and I think many people who for whom alcohol was a major priority drank a lot I remember that that first day on September 11th 2001 I went home and you know it had been a rough day I'm not going to go into the details of what we had to do at work but we had sales reps out in the field that we had to try to figure out how to get safely home because the transportation system was completely shut down and all I wanted to do when I get home got home was watch the news and drink vodka and that's what I did we didn't have any kids at the time and uh, I drank a lot and watched the news well into the night and that pattern continued for days mm-hmm. so how how were you feeling at the time while I was just numbing away my I don't know exactly what to call the emotions de- depression, anger, frustration confusion, all of it all of it, all of what all of us felt back then and I was just drinking it away 
how were you processing not not so much the events of the day because I think you know you processed it like a typical person did you were full of grief and sadness and anger and all of that but how did you deal with me your husband just getting smashed every night you were were just so dramatic about it and I mean, and I understood you cried and it was sad and it's not like I don't have any sympathy or empathy for people, but it was just so, there was just so much that was so shocking. It was hard to kind of really almost believe that it was happening. Um, And like you, it's like you took it so personally and you like, like it was happening to you and at that on that morning, I mean, I don't know if you even remember this. I had an appointment to try to go to our my doctor, my OBGYN, because I had been, we had been trying to get pregnant, and I had been taking pregnancy, home pregnancy tests, and they were coming back. Some were positive, some were negative. And um, so I went into that office knowing that these events had happened um, in New York and, you know, along the East Coast in D.C. and in Pennsylvania, Um, and of course there was just mayhem and there was no real concrete, um, way I could try to express to my doctor how I just didn't want to have to wait anymore to know whether or not I was pregnant. Yeah, you're trying, I I do absolutely remember that. You're trying not to be selfish. Not trying to be selfish, but I'm trying to, but I feel like what is it going to, how is that going to affect St. Paul, Minnesota? Like I can't just get this blood test that would, would let me know what levels, hormone levels I'm at. So I was kind of dealing with this, you know, very big unknown. And then you were, you were just so like, you took it so personally and it was so, you were just wearing it so hard. Like you were there, you were those people, you were the family members. And that I just couldn't really grasp because maybe that was the alcohol or maybe that was the depression or maybe that was just your feelings of not knowing how to deal with the confusion? That was 100% the alcohol. I mean, we get very emotional either way. We get more excited than we should be. We get more happy than we should be. We get more depressed than we should be. We get more teary than we should be. I was absolutely... And you even got mad at me because I wasn't sitting there just glued to the TV and crying like that you felt that I should. You didn't feel like I was mourning the way that I should. Yeah. And because I had my own, like, and it wasn't because I was selfish. I mean, it was the future of our family. So I was kind of, you know, also a little bit, my mind was preoccupied with, I have all the symptoms of being pregnant, but I can't have an answer. And what a terrible thing to like, you know, find out one thing. You just want to know one thing and you're like struggling and I kind of felt like selfish and and then. Well, yeah. And I know you don't want to be selfish because this national tragedy has happened, but at the same time, if you could just get it off your mind and know the answer, yes or no, then you could kind of focus on grieving as a nation. Not that you would be all teary and weepy like I was, but I mean, that's how I felt. If they would just tell us whether we're pregnant or not, then we can go back to worrying about this other thing. Yeah, and I wasn't even so much like, I just felt like, why does what happen, you know, and even like a week out, like, why can't I still go get this test? Because yeah. it's like whatever has happened, you know, it's not going to stop like one OB office right. in St. Paul, Minnesota. But but it was just really hard. Like I, I felt like you were mad because I wasn't mourning and grieving the way you were, that I wasn't taking it seriously, that I wasn't a patriot, that I wasn't 
supportive of the country. There were lots of those sort of conversations going around, and I really just tried to stay out of your way a lot. It's such a selfish thing, drinking like that. I mean, drinking heavy amounts and feeling the way you feel, and then when somebody else doesn't feel the same way. I mean, I can remember lots of times, not just 9-11, but lots of times when once I got some alcohol in me, if other people didn't feel the same way I did, I was unforgiving of that. I just didn't understand. What do you mean you're not just going to sit on the couch and watch CNN for hours and be sad like I am? Mm-hmm. It just didn't make sense to me. But and and again, that national tragedy is far different in so many ways to the to what's going on right now with coronavirus. But some ways that it is similar is that it's this big not, not not even just a national thing it's a global thing there's so much unknown so it's not like we're watching something where we have any playbook for what's going to happen next or what decisions are going to make we can't even speculate on what decisions the leaders of nations and leaders of organizations are going to make and we're seeing things happen that are you know unprecedented and surprising cancellations of things cities on lockdown, you know, sports, not just sporting events, but sports seasons being canceled. It's just, it's, it's nothing we've ever been through before. And the reason I think it's, it relates is I have no cravings to drink, but I know for a fact that if I was still a drinker, this would have been, this would be a perfect excuse to come home and just drink myself silly and watch the news and see what's going to happen next. Also, if you were still drinking, that would mean we still owned our own small business, which was a bread store. So then that would be impactful because they're saying, if you're sick, stay home. And like we have conversed when we've heard this, we're like, well, what about these small business owners? You know, so that would be the whole financial ruin aspect of it and the disappointment and the angst of what's going to happen and how is it going to impact my business? Because they're, you know, like the bailouts in the downturn of the recession, there's already conversations about, you know, helping um, the entertainment or the uh, hospitality and airport airlines and, you know, like there's no bailout for a small bakery owner, you know. So that would be one reason. And then you would also kind of jump on the the side of of the the kind of fear and the unknown and so that would really create a lot of angst and anxiousness in you of tailspin you in yeah yeah you're absolutely right i mean all these like the it's funny because the one thing i'm not really afraid of and maybe they they've said maybe it's because they've said that this virus is most harmful to old people or people with pre-existing medical conditions I'm not afraid of getting sick, mm-hmm. but you're right. If if we still owned a small business, I'd be afraid of the huge financial hit that we would take as people stayed locked inside their homes, and I would be we you like- know, afraid of the kids' school being canceled, and then we're all kind of stuck here together. Now I love my family, and that sounds terrible, yeah. but because that's but, probably going to. But school <laughs> serves a nice purpose, and if school's gone, hey, Dios mío, that's tough. So, yeah, all these things would have combined, and I, whatever my rules were, I'm not going to drink hard alcohol, I'm not going to drink Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever, all those rules would have gone out the window because this is a never before happened in, in not just in our lifetime, but in 
decades or not decades, um, centuries, I guess. You know, I mean, many many lifetimes. Spanish flu, nineteen eighteen. Yeah, that was pretty traumatic. So. Yeah. So, but Lots nobody. Of unknowns, but nobody, since then. Yeah, nobody knows how to handle this or what to do, um, and the world's a different place. You know, with travel being so readily available, the spread of something like this is nothing like it would have been back in 1918. Is that really when the Spanish flu was? Uh-huh. Oh, that's a good fact. Good job. So the but so the point is, th- this is another big event that's got such huge consequences, and nobody knows what to expect. And in in that way, this is similar to 9/11. And I'm coming at it from a totally different perspective, and I imagine to some degree you are too. I'm still very curious and interested in what the talking heads have to say on TV and the breaking news about what's being closed down and who's going in quarantine. Not what little individual, but what like city is being locked down and what's being canceled. I think it's it's interesting, but I'm not going to pour gasoline on the smoldering fire and get real drunk and then get weepy and angry and be, you know, um, not leave room for you to feel however you feel. You can feel however you feel and I can feel however I feel and we can operate as and do our best to make sure our kids aren't scared in ways that they shouldn't be and try to explain to them what's happening as we try to figure it out ourselves. And there's not this overriding just awfulness of alcohol on top of it where I would be, you know, I would be self-medicating because I felt like I deserved it. And, you know, oh, this is this has never happened before. I must drink and it's okay. And whatever happens, I have an excuse. Hmm. And I think that's the probably the word. Well, do you think the that maybe... is gone. Do you think maybe because it's something that would be so unknown and unprecedented that it kind of like you said it was taking the it would take away your rules but it it would be like a self-medicating relief like i don't really have the where to you know the nerve to really kind of face the real facts and decipher it so i'm just gonna go kind of into this fantasy uh i mean fantasy is not a bad word it you know I even remember this. This is awful. I feel so guilty saying this, but I even remember at 9-11, I wasn't happy by any means that it was happening, but I did appreciate the excuse that it gave me to drink. I felt like it gave me the excuse to drink as much as I wanted and just self-soothe as a top priority and not worry about the fact that it was Tuesday and I had to work the next day or not, not conform to the norms of society and go to bed at a decent time and get up and shower and shave in the morning. I just like everything got thrown out the window and I just drank as much as I wanted to. And I feel like, I feel like that's what something like this, like they're going to be lots of people already are working from home and it sounds like that's going to grow in massive numbers. The number of people that are working from home. So if you're someone that uses alcohol to soothe and all of a sudden, you don't have to get up and shower and go to work anymore, and you're doing that from home. The chances that you're going to bring alcohol into your life at a day part that you normally didn't start mm-hmm. drinking earlier, I think, they're yeah. huge. And, and just going to 
say this is all justified. This is this is a global pandemic. What what great five syllables to give you an excuse to go into kind of a kind of a fantasy land again. I was I wasn't excited or happy or in any way no. okay with the fact that 9/11 happened, but there was a little piece of me that was like, ah, I don't have to follow rules. I don't have to be civilized. I can just because I'm in mourning, oh, the country's nuts. in mourning. We're That's all right. in mourning. That's we don't right. know what to do, so we're going to self-soothe. That's exactly right. Well, and then we brought up a point of like them bringing alcohol into their daytime. I mean, I had a friend who mentioned something about a Facebook post of a woman that like took a picture of all of the wine she stockpiled in in just preparing for quarantine. Yeah. And I'm just now starting to think, gosh, if you were drinking right now, you know, would there be like a lot of beer and would you have been like well now I'm going to buy alcohol because in case we're in quarantine for a long time I need to be able to have my stash would you have brought in like hard alcohol because that would you know give you the same buzz quicker and you know probably like but even if I didn't I remember when we owned the bakery and snow was predicted like lots of snow was predicted uh we would get really busy and sell out of bread because people were stockpiling and then i would go next door to the grocery store and all the milk and eggs would be gone and then i remember i'd go up to the liquor store and i'm not gonna say all the liquor was gone because that's an exaggeration but those guys would be like oh my god we have just been slammed right in a crazy day right and here in denver it melts so quickly so it'd be like two days maybe right you were like housebound at the so but that's a that's a good point i mean i i guarantee you there's been all this talk about how no stores i think nationally not just here right have have toilet paper or hand sanitizer slice all vinegar guarantee you the liquor stores are tito's tito's vodka even made a plea stop using our vodka for your hand sanitizer homemade hand sanitizer why would they do that i don't know still gonna be selling right like i don't know i guess it was I don't know. Was it a jokey meme kind of thing? I think so. I think it's one of those, like, just putting their name out there, you know. But so there's enough, I mean, there's really, and there's some real sadness. We have a senior in high school. And so, again, this sounds cold and heartless and, like, I don't appreciate the gravity of the situation. I do. I know that people are dying and I know that that's tragic. And I, yesterday was the first day I actually heard some numbers. I heard one prediction that 70 million people will contract coronavirus worldwide and 1% will die. That's 700,000 lives. So I get that. That's tragic and awful. And all these precautions that we're taking, if those numbers are even remotely true, are 1,000% appropriate and I support it in every way. But at the same time, just from our personal little household, we're all quite, really quite healthy. And, mm-hmm. you know, you and I are in our late 40s, but our kids are young. So I don't have fear of any of the six of us, you know, I don't have fear of us dying. I don't have, I have fear of us contracting the disease and, and running its course. And then we bounce back and that'll suck, but that's not like this big tragic overriding fear. What, but for the six of us, we have a senior in high school whose prom is in jeopardy and her graduation ceremony is in jeopardy and her actually graduating at all is in jeopardy because I don't know what they'll do if they close the school. I I mean, we aren't universities where you're set up for online classes. I think, I think they'll figure it out. I think a lot of, I think that there is a little, because of everything being so internet friendly and school, like their um, school has like a, 
you know, a program that they use that they get and gather and they do all their homework through. Um, the middle schoolers and the two, the middle schooler and the two high school do. Um, so but I'm also sure. things like sports, yeah. sporting events. So these things that she's like worked hard, um, you know, when we got another high schooler that's doing something new this year, we just spent quite a bit of money on some equipment for this new sport that he's trying out. And, you know, Why don't like, you want to say track? Well, track I just... Track shoes. Well, track shoes. I didn't want to make it sound like they were, you know... I want to ding the sporting industry well, track I shoes. Well, I will say... But, you know, specials... were quite a bit more expensive than I thought they were going to be, so... Yeah. So, right. you know, and we were frugal about it. We could have spent, like, 50 or 60 more dollars if we wanted. I like but, how you're justifying this on on the recording. <sighs> That's good. That's good. I'm saying that can some consumers can justify right. spending that kind of money. Well, this was a first time out. So it's like this new event that he wants to try. And, you know, there's a couple things that the younger kids had going. I mean, we don't know if, like, one of the tournaments that's going to happen and two days from now. Festival. Shakespeare Festival. is in jeopardy once again. That's a big thing again. in Denver in the spring. Yeah, and lots of kids perform, and they work really hard. And So you feel, on the one hand, really kind of crappy saying out loud we're worried about Shakespeare Festival and the $80 track shoes we had to buy but because people are dying so on the one hand you feel bad about it but on the other hand this is how it affects our lives and if it affects our lives like this it affects everyone's I know, lives like I heard like so well I mean just back to like talking about our senior like she's like this was the spring that we were going to go do some of the college tours of the couple of out of state schools that she's interested in well, what do we do with that now? Yeah. What if the colleges, like, they've closed their campuses? Yeah. And we have, you know, so it's like everything is just up in the air. Well, we can the save the money for those trips to pay for Nick's track shoes that... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but then but... she's supposed to make a decision and be ready to, like, I don't, you know. But I... There's so much unknown when, in just this personal side of it, but when you talk about the... 700,000 people that we said, or 70,000 people? 700,000 potential. I mean, you talk about that versus the amount of, like, intensive care unit beds that are available in the U.S. Like, it's it sounds very selfish and first world problems, but I think it goes to a, a disruption down to your daily life. If the kids are out of school, it would be really hard for you to do any work from home. Yeah. But I am trying to think of something positive about it in a way. What's that? Spring cleaning with the kids. All right. <laughs> really get rid of some of the crap that we don't use and get it cleaned and then donate it later on and spend family time and focus on what's really valuable and Well, right. So here's the here's the thing that makes it different than it would be and and I guess this is a message for all of our listeners who still have alcohol causing problems in their lives either the drinkers or the the people who love the drinkers out there when, when another huge benefit even in a traumatic and sad and unknown period like this of having the alcohol out of there is you and I are both worried about these things we're both worried about the international huge overriding you know uh, deathly sickly aspects of it the things that none of us can control and that that all the decisions that are being made are trying to make better or make stop from making worse um but 
we also have these little irritations within our family that we've got to deal with as as we go through this. And you and I are able to go through this together mm-hmm. because I'm not just sitting on the couch watching CNN and drinking vodka and telling you that you don't cry about it enough, which you're right that it the alcohol made me overly emotional and 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 rather than you know focus on the the things that I could help you with within our family I would just focus on how tragic the event was how tragic the event was and how it was affecting like our business yeah you know the financial cuz that is very scary cuz we've had several times where the financial world or the US economy or weather has really affected some of our big holidays financially and that was always really really bad and and I know there's no doubt that this pandemic and the the way that it's managed is it's going to put businesses out of business i mean when when people get angry about you know how business owners make so much money they're thinking of that 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 small upper percentage of the total number of businesses out there there are you know so many i don't know what the number is there are just so many small mom and pops that are not financially stable enough to withstand something like this mm-hmm. and that is sad and if you own one of those small businesses that depends on a lot of foot traffic and we all go on lockdown and it stays that way for a month, that could be enough to put you out of business very easily. Well, and if you're a drinker on top of that, I mean, the consequences for for people who have a problem with alcohol in their lives going through this, they're massive. And I just, I feel really bad for those people. I feel bad because you know sobriety is such a blessing in so many ways and one of them is that i know that whatever happens with coronavirus even if all six of us get sick with it i know we'll we'll make it through like i have a lot of confidence in that that we're going to be okay in in every way the family closeness will stay intact we'll support each other we'll deal with the, the little minor disruptions in our lives minor compared to them major disruptions of somebody who's losing their business or has a loved one who's who passes um and so it's just i don't know it's a it's a really somber time because i know i know how it feels to be on the other side and be someone that's struggling with alcohol and you want to get it out of your life but at the same time this this international tragedy is a it's like a waving green flag saying, yeah, we'll deal with that later. For right now, just go to the liquor store. You, you can deal with getting it out of your life later. And, and that's sad. And so it, you know, for any of our listeners that have successfully removed alcohol from their lives, but they're in the tenuous early sobriety period, keep at it. Don't, don't say, oh, you know, I, I gave it a run. I made it three months and I'll, I'll pick up again. I'll pick up the idea of sobriety again after this is over. But for right now, if I'm going to be quarantined with my family, I'm going to drink because mm-hmm. it just makes the finance, the family dynamic worse. Wouldn't There's- it like also like you're already having this unknown and this anxiety, like doesn't it kind of pick up that anxiety and it just feeds like, yeah, I mean, it feeds the, it's really goes down to the most basic thing that alcohol does. It alleviates a lot of the things that it also makes worse. So, 
you drink and the anxiety goes away, but then it comes back much worse. Depression goes away, but it comes back much worse. You're worried if you're worried about the financial aspects of the pandemic and how that's going to impact you or your family. It'll make that go away for a little while, but your inaction while you were drinking is going to make that be so much worse. So, I mean, alcohol really isn't a fix for anything, and we've talked about that many, many times. But this is certainly one of them. And, and who knows, maybe maybe in a week or maybe in a month, maybe maybe someone's listening to this not really close to the time period that we recorded it. Maybe what's going to happen has become crystal clear and there's no more uncertainty. But it's the uncertainty, that's the time when drinkers drink. That's the time when drinkers go, yep, no rules. Whatever I want to do, mm-hmm. drink until I pass out because I have an excuse. Yep. And I'm so glad that that's not part of our lives anymore. I don't, you know, I think even if I was one year sober, this would be a really hard time for me to stay sober. I would be like, eh, you know, I'll go back to that later. But for right now, I'm just going to drink and have some stress relief. And I'm so glad to be far enough away over th- over three years sober now to the point where that doesn't even enter my mind. It doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound like a good idea. I'm not jealous of people who can drink through this. And I know that the impact on our family could only be negative if I if I started drinking again. So, you know, we're all worried about what's going to happen to all of humanity, right? That sounds so dramatic. But as we deal with this, we don't have no idea what to expect. And we're worried. And we're worried about our, our family and certainly the older members of our family. I mean, everyone shares that fear. But if on top of that, I was also worried about what, how I was going to wreck things with my, my family because I was going to just drink unabated and I, and I didn't have that under control. I mean, it would just kind of almost be too much. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. One thing I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about you getting a pregnancy test. Yes. You are not pregnant. I'm not. And we are having no more babies. I am not. That's for sure. Well, this isn't a very upbeat podcast episode, but again, it's just full of unknown. And, you know, I don't know that when we record, we always have a a message necessarily for people. We tell our story and people either resonate or they don't. But this time I do feel like I've, I feel like we've got a message and it's, it's for those families that are in the throes of alcoholism or in the early stages of recovery it's just not going to help. I mean, it's... Having a clearer mind. Yeah, man. I mean, thinking, un, oh... Unintoxicated I've got all this mind. time at home now, locked in my house. I'm not going to events because there are crowds there. Or my work has made me work from home. Yes, 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 I can drink. Oh, it's just going to make it so much worse. And you'll look back on this period. And in addition to to having thoughts about what actually happens to the people that are afflicted, you'll also have this overriding shameful feeling of how you handled it. Cause that's what I have with nine 11. I have all the, the anger and the patriotism and the sadness. I have all of that. But on top of all of that, I have, yeah. And I was a complete shithead and just got drunk every night. And that makes me very ashamed. So don't do that to yourself, I guess is the overriding message. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. 
and prom or soccer season or track season or destination imagination come what be come what may we'll be we'll be fine and we'll deal with it and it won't have a lasting impact it'll just be a really crazy spring and we'll uh we'll stay together and support each other yeah yeah right. well thanks for listening to another episode of the intoxicated podcast again if if you're thinking drinking is going to help it won't and we hope you we hope you listen to us and we appreciate your support and we look forward to talking to you next time <laughs>